0: Network is brought to you by Interact. Speed is key for Canadian shoppers. Is your business keeping up? It can with Interact Flash. It's the platform that millions of Canadians use to check out quickly and securely. Learn more at Interact.ca. Hi, everyone. It's Friday, February 22nd. I've got the regular crew here David Reevely from the Canadian Press and Shannon Proudfoot from McLean's. From um, another big week, but short week. They always feel the longest to me. How was it for the both of you? Busy.
1: Super long. <laughs>
0: well, it started you, Monday. Because you were working. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. We were working Monday, and yeah. the, news was, uh, the news was The working. news gods
1: were working on Monday as well.
0: That's right. Um, so let's jump into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll start with the story we've been following since it broke a few weeks ago. You guessed it, the SNC-Lavalin affair. If you don't know what I'm talking about by now, um, you, my friend, have been living under a very
1: large rock. You need to listen to more podcasts. Yes, you
0: need to listen to more podcasts. So it's a story that truly keeps evolving, and on Family Day Monday, the Prime Minister's uh, Principal Secretary and Right Hand Man, Gerald Butts, resigned from his post. So. Jerry has been the key, sort of, to the to the d- direction and leadership out of the prime minister's office. Many suggesting he had, you know, even more political sway than the PM himself. So in his resignation letter, he said, I categorically deny the accusation that I or anyone else in, his, um, in the Prime Minister's office pressured Ms. Wilson-Raybould. He's, of course, referring to the allegations made in the Globe and Mail um, by anonymous sources that the PMO had pressured Jody Wilson-Raybould to grant the engineering and construction firm a DPA. He later wrote that while these accusations aren't true, they exist, and they are distracting from the work of the Prime Minister and his office— he said, quote, my reputation is my rep- responsibility, and that is for me to defend. It is in the best interest of the office, and it's important work for me to step away. So this was big This was big news. I don't know that a lot of people were expecting this. Um, not only is he Trudeau's most trusted advisor, he's, you know, they're, they're friends. They're friends from college. Um Butts was certainly being targeted um, in the reporting out of this affair, and and I'm wondering if it was his reputation that sort of turned, like that 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 being smeared essentially made him go, okay, that's it, it's time for me to to bow out and um, take more control of what's being said about me. Did you guys were you as shocked as everybody else yeah. this? Yeah, I was yeah. very
1: surprised. There yeah. were gasps yeah. in yeah. the newsroom. It right. Was- People were astonished.
0: Right. And 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 what does, and I, Shannon, you wrote a really good piece this week actually about the role of the principal secretary. Yeah. Because so. I don't know of a lot of people, and the role in Trudeau's uh, PMO. It's been very unique for Jerry Butt, So it's kind of a, a uniquely sort of flexible and
2: idiosyncratic post in itself. Different prime ministers in the last couple decades have used the post differently or not had one at all. Like Jean Chrétien didn't have one. Um, Paul Martin, his were, were effectively sort of Quebec lieutenants. That was how he conceived of the job. But under Jerry Butts, it's been really distinct in two ways. He has been very vocal, very visible. He's sort of out there on Twitter, mixing it up on behalf of the boss. Um, I think a lot of people in town know that there's often sort of, he's talking to reporters off the record and kind of clarifying, um, how things go. Um, and, and he's sort of very public in a way that, often those backroom people aren't, you know, you might know their names if you're a real political watcher, but their faces and the fact that he was a big persona, um, is quite unusual. And it's also has, that has to do with his history with the prime minister. They've been friends since their McGill days. Um, Trudeau has a, a neat little chunk in his book where he talks about meeting him and he, you know, he says mm. he was a week into his undergrad at McGill and somebody said, Hey, have you made some friends? And he's sort of doing that undergrad thing, trying to pretend he's too cool and doesn't care. Uh, and he confesses at least in the book that in fact, he wasn't sure if he was going to make friends. It's very touching and humanizing. And then someone gestures to a shaggy haired fellow and says, hey, have you met Jerry, who then brings him into the debating union. And you can sort of imagine in the Hollywood script version how that launches one into a a realm of a political career. So they've been very, very tight um, for, I guess, 25 years now. Um, And... I think that gave rise to what you're talking about is the sort of mythology around the kind of two headed prime minister. Yes, I love that. The idea that they were um, the that they were somehow running the country together, or you know, people in some of this, I think, really hinged on people trying to discredit Trudeau or giving him not enough credit that he, he was couldn't the be, he couldn't be the ba- brains behind right. his own yeah. operation. This guy had
0: to be. Yeah, it's, he was the pretty face in front of the brains. Yeah, yeah, I love the the line to some extent that perception of the. You said um, this is Shannon's quote. To some extent, the perception of the Trudeau butts pad. To do has been a function of two things, volume and time. Exactly. Yeah, that makes total sense. How are we going to feel his absence? Like, is that narrative that he is the brains behind the, the PMO going to be accurate? Or we're going to find out, I guess. We're
1: going to find out. I mean, I, I think he is a, a, a guy, and always has been, who's had a very clear vision of what he thinks the government is for and what it can achieve. Um, I mean, he has brought a, a, an understanding of kind of the 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 technical ways that politicians can impose their will on a public service, the way you actually turn ideas into programs. He was he played a very similar role for Dalton McGuinty when he was Premier of Ontario, right. has a lot of history in the the machinery of government, and uh, but you know formerly was the president of the World Wildlife Fund's Canadian arm, is mm-hmm. um, big on the the deliverology thing as a, a way of actually getting things done in government. Um, But he has been uh, an advocate for social spending, an advocate for infrastructure spending, uh, and kind of the guy always reminding Trudeau that... The government is there to help people, right? Really. And that was very much the McGinty idea. Uh, I mean, the Kathleen Wynne idea as well. Although Butts wasn't part of that that Ontario government uh, and the Trudeau government yeah. as well. You know, in Canada, better is always possible, and he's he's been kind of the the translator of ideas to action,
0: right? Um, I uh, yeah, because I I was no- noticing on Twitter. People on both sides of the political spectrum were commending him and having showing respect for the service he's done to mm-hmm. the public sector. Why did he do it? Was it signaling um, that again, it's his reputation was being smeared. And finally, he wants to take control of the message and, and reveal information or have the opportunity to reveal more information when the time comes. That sort of seemed to be what he was indicating in his statement, that
2: that sort of thing where you're freer to defend yourself if you're you're outside the PMO, you can speak more freely. I thought that's what he was trying to indicate, as well as the whole, I don't want to be a distraction narrative. Right. I, I mean, I hate to hedge on it, but Of course, everyone made the obvious jokes. I think it was like a Beaverton headline man who has done nothing wrong resigns. Um, (laughs) you know, of course people pounced on that immediately. He obviously (laughs) very stridently said, there's nothing to to see here. These accusations are false. I'm stepping away so I can clear my name. I think it's really hard to know. Yeah. Um, I've heard people yeah. sort of speculating whether Trudeau asked for his resignation or that's been asked in question period. Of course, there's no answers forthcoming. Um, I, I don't know is the answer, yeah. I, but it sure felt seismic. It sure felt like Trudeau losing his right-hand man under whatever circumstances. It just it, – it, like you could sort of see all week people were kind of totaling up the – I don't mean to use a really incendiary term, but the body count. People go, well, mm. look, the SNC lavalin affair broke open what two weeks ago. We've lost Jody Wilson-Raybould from cabinet, and now we've lost Jerry Butts, the sort of center of the PMO. So I think it contributes to the feeling that this is a capital letters big deal. It, yeah, it, in a way that like it remains to be seen that the actual subtlety and facts of it, but it, it just contributes to a sense that this is this is meaningful. And
1: it, exactly what the interactions were between the PMO and Jody Wilson-Raybould are still only known in. Broad terms, Mm -hmm. Um, and so they—I mean—as we've been saying before—they they they lend themselves to all kinds of different interpretations. Yeah, you know, was. Was the PMO trying to pressure Jodie Wilson-Raybould? Was the PMO having interactions that they thought were innocent, The Jodie Wilson-Raybould did not think were innocent? Did she feel pressured, even though that was not what they intended? like There's still a, a whole universe of possibilities, a whole right. spectrum. Um, yeah. It is hard to interpret the resignation of someone in the PMO as anything <laughs> but an acknowledgement that... I want to be careful with my wording, but that he did something that he shouldn't have done, whether he knew that that it was something he shouldn't have done at the time is kind of unknown, but, oh, now I see how this played out, and now I see how much damage this is doing. I better go and maybe I can spike the story by doing it, which has obviously not been what's happened.
0: So the next layer to this is the updates out of the House of Commons uh, Justice Committee meeting yesterday. Not only did the current Attorney General, David Lametti testify, but we also saw some rather startling comments come um, from the country's top civil servant. Uh, the clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Wernick. So let's start about his comments about the SNC-Lavalin affair, and then we'll loop back to his opening remarks, which were a bit odd. So he laid it all out. He went through the timeline of events. He confirmed uh, discussions he had with Ms. Raybould about the case and even confirmed that, yes, members in the PMO were concerned about the impact of a criminal prosecution, that it would have dire economic consequences, and relayed that to her, asking her if a DPA was still possible. So he confirms this. This is the first time we've kind of had that confirmation and says, hey, it was all legal. It was lawful advocacy, I think, is the term he used. Was like, how did you guys interpret those comments, and um, did you kind of feel? I, I, I kind of felt like it was the first time we've just had some more clarity mm-hmm. on this issue.
1: The first time we've actually had anyone who was in the room speak in any detail yeah. about any of these conversations. Yeah. Like, and as Wernick said, he wasn't necessarily party to all of them, but he was right. party to a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's helpful. Um, they did talk about this stuff in his view. Uh, and he has the... the, the the gravitas of someone at the top of the public service, aggressively nonpartisan, has worked with with conservative and liberal prime ministers. He says, in his view, there was nothing improper about right. any of it. Uh, he's getting heat uh, from conservatives who say that he's essentially gone, you know, yes. over to the liberal side. And um, I, I, in- how you would tell the difference between someone who is giving his honest assessment that this is that there was nothing wrong here, and someone who is shilling for his current bosses? I I I don't know. I don't know how you could tell those apart.
0: I think there's something to be said though, like just because someone and it goes back to this like confirmation bias idea is like because someone isn't feeding the narrative you want to hear doesn't mean that they are partisan. I think we all need to remind ourselves of that. However, yes, his his speaking points sounded very similar to to that of Trudeau's and 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 others. Um, but I liked Stephanie Carvin. Um, tweeted out something yesterday. I thought it was quite interesting. She said, "Okay, totally not my lane, but I have to ask, would it not be totally insane to not talk about the consequences of the decision or are we insisting on a let justice be done with the heavens fall view? What are the lines to be drawn here, honest questions?" And I think that is an interesting take, right? Because is it illegal? He's saying it's not to you know, talk about and question the implications of of this kind of uh, decision? Should it be taken?
2: Like his, his message overall was very much normalizing the conversations that were being had. And I, by that, I don't mean like trying to shove something into the normally. And he was saying in his view, this is completely within the realm of the reasonable that yeah. you would have sort of spirited debate. You would inform a minister about relevant considerations that all right. of this was completely above board. Um, one of the minor things he said that caught my interest is that he he categorically said that he never rebuked Jodie Wilson-Raybould for her own comments about her government's uh, sort of putting its money where its mouth is on reconciliation. Hmm. I thought that was interesting in a more minor way because one of the kind of little threads, as we're trying to figure out the bigger picture of what happened here, is is P- I kind of heard people gaming out, okay, if you take the government at their word that there were spirited conversations here, but they were completely within the realm of the reasonable, and perhaps she interpreted it as an, an inappropriate amount of pressure – That story only goes so far because then you still go, well, why was she demoted? Or or, or the (laughs) perception that she was demoted, which I realize is still a point of contention for some people. And one of the answers to that was perhaps because she had been quite vocally critical of her own government in a Mm. way that they were not appreciating. But then for Wernick to say, I never rebuked her for this. This was never a conversation we had. sort of at least cast in a slightly different light that part of the story. I, I suppose it's it's entirely possible someone else did or there was still obvious displeasure with her, but mm. I, I feel like we're like this is constantly descending into game theory oh, because we're totally trying to is. guess so from did, like I little shards. Yeah. yeah. And
0: yeah. yeah. And I mean like as Andrew Coyne last night on uh, um the Ad Issue panel, um he was like it, it seems like we're just moving the the dial or the the line from directing to sure, pressure bulb, yeah. to Inappropriate pressure. Yeah. And then it might be just become if she if she gets up there next week, she's set to appear and testify before the Justice Committee on Tuesday. If she gets up there, recounts the exact same trail of events, but just Her interpretation, her interpretation is, different. is different. Then we're stuck in a real he said she said
1: yeah. I mean you can you can have the exact same conversation. You don't even have to disagree I think about the words that were said. Yeah. But you know the prime 100%. minister says uh, he always told Wilson Rabel that it was up to her. Tone of voice makes a difference. Jody, it's always going to be up to you. Jody, right. it's always going to be up to <laughs> That's you. That's
0: great. Right. Absolutely. It's I always to- up to you. <laughs> This like, feels like can, my improv class. Like, yeah. It's
1: yeah. all in, in in how you say it, in body language. And it's also in the, the track record, you your
2: history with that yeah. person, if there that's was right. an uncomfortable relationship or some tension there. Yes. That's what, to me, I've always, the, like at, at bottom, this almost seems like a human drama to me. Like it really yes. seems to turn on people's relationships and how they interpreted fairly subtle conversations. I don't mean to sound naive about it. It's possible none of this right. is true, but if that's what it comes down to, yeah. it really is about like psychology yeah. and relationships yeah.
0: and how you interpret things versus how someone else is it comes down to I mean I'm probably having this argument with my partner the other day like you said it like this and exactly. like well, you know I didn't but I didn't mean it like that so um yeah I, I think uh, it's complicated obviously um, she stood up in in qp too, yesterday though and said something kind of startling as well like she, it was she was standing there two seats down from the Prime Minister and said something along the lines of um, this whole solicitor client privilege thing that she can't speak right now, but that she hopes to soon speak her truth, which was like, bam,
1: you know. Yeah, I, and that—that that, I mean, that's perfect—a perfect turn of phrase for it. Her truth and right, Trudeau's truth, and Jerry Butts's truth. So there's and, no, <laughs> you know, there there might there, it might ultimately be unknowable. What, it's not that they disagree about the underlying facts, they disagree about the interpretations of the facts, but very very possibly. And I mean, to my mind, I think that's actually the most likely explanation. Absolutely. Because no one is really calling anybody else a liar in no. this. They're just...
0: So would the ethics commissioner then, I guess, go and like look at the transcripts of meetings and be like, and say, okay, so these words, like I don't, these words were said. I don't know what level of reporting yeah. you have. Yeah. On meetings like that, I think you'd still go right. back
2: to he said, she right, said, right, like right, recountings right. of a conversation. Right. In some ways, that would be a very realistic resolution to all of this if it came down to, well, people are people and dynamics yeah. are complicated, but yeah. it would also be entirely unsatisfying. Like if you no, no, never I get know. a
0: definitive answer to this, if it's just kind of like mer. Exactly. Um, okay. So let's go to Wernick's opening statement. Cause it was a, Bit unusual, perhaps. People were not expecting him to go off on a on a bit of a tangent about, uh, you know, no, he's not worried about the rule of law. He's worried about misinformation. He's worried about uh, election interference. He's worried about someone getting shot uh, this year, uh, an assassination happening in our political realm. Uh, what else is he worried about? I think that was.
1: He was That's eluding. a fairly comprehensive list. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot to be worried There's about. There's
0: a there. lot to be worried about. What is he exactly drawing on? <laughs> I mean, I guess the divisiveness the yeah. divisiveness of politics and the tribalism and that, that was my impression. The increasingly yeah.
1: harsh rhetoric um that you get i mean i, I don't want to fall into both sidesism here but i think it is more of a thing from the right these days uh which might just be a consequence of the the center and the left right. being in power that yeah, that's yeah. so sort of, you get angry at power and you express it um but you know there there uh, you see the 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 memes getting spread on facebook and twitter talking about you know Trudeau wanting to have open borders and let in yes, Muslims that's right. who will take over the country and yeah. that we have to fight back, that he should be charged for treason uh, and what do you do with traitors? Yeah. You, I mean, Legally in Canada, we don't execute them, but it's one of the last things for which there's capital punishment is treason. Did, yeah. uh, and that's certainly the way we've seen things going in the States, yeah. is the idea that people who disagree with you are traitors to the country and as a consequence... I, I mean, it's kind of like you know today's weather and climate change. It's you can't necessarily draw a direct line, but you create a, a, a situation in which people believe that their 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 country and their personal safety is at risk. They take up arms.
0: Yeah, and it was also this idea of, and we're seeing it in the United States, this there's sort of distrust in institutions um, that he mentioned as well. And I mean, I couldn't help but think after. The, the the committee meeting that he appeared before actually didn't turn out to be too partisan, I didn't think particularly, but the Twitter reactions certainly were, and I couldn't help but think how um, immediately we saw this sort of just like we, we have the top civil servant speaking and who's aggressively independent, as you say, and and people are going ah distress of 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 the uh, the Privy Council, I guess, too by. The nature of that. So uh,
1: complaints that the civil service has been politicized are the, the opposition always says it, and yeah. they sometimes talk about purges and sometimes actually affect them at the top level of the public service after a change of government. One of Wernick's you know predecessors is a very senior public servant. Kevin Lynch uh, is chair of the board of SNC Lavalin now. He was a very senior public servant in under Stephen Harper um, and previously under Paul Martin. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wow. That's it's yeah, if you,
1: if you want to see partisanship, you, y- it is easy you to find. To say, right. I
2: Think lots of people were sort of like, but why did he say this? Because personally, I interpreted his opening statement as being almost entirely divorced from the reason yes. he was there. I yeah. didn't personally think it was a comment on the SNC-Lavalin affair at all. I thought it because I know there's been some chatter about whether he's going to retire soon I, I interpreted it as I know everyone is watching and listening to me right now and I have something mm. I need to say while the cameras are on me and so it almost seemed like a, a kind of a valedictory address or true, you know yeah. raising the alarm while everyone's listening um, I didn't think it it connected to what they wanted to ask him about it. Like it it was sort of a separate set of concerns. It was really intriguing though. Like it was was quite striking. I was sort of listening while I was working. And then as soon as he started speaking, I sort of switched the window on my computer and thought,
0: what is Mm. this? Some crazy words. I know. Um, and we'll go actually our second topic kind of relates to all of this so um, yeah because he was directly I, he was directly referenced that, Yes, right yes. yes
1: we have a second topic we have a second topic <laughs> we're not
0: only going to talk about SNC-Lavalin so those around the downtown core were greeted by the sounds of blaring truck horns on Tuesday morning and um, I yeah a uh, convoy of trucks under the banner United We Roll came from Alberta to pro- protest on Wellington Street this week in front of the parliament buildings um, and delivered a message about their display approval of uh, disapproval of the federal government's energy and environmental policies. Um, so they held signs reading, "We love oil, build pipelines and kill C69, uh, the Liberals controversial environmental assessment reform bill. They aren't happy about the government's carbon tax plans, uh, pipeline holdups, and environmental considerations. And from what we can all gather, they feel, I think, that the, that the rest of the country and the government specifically isn't listening to their hardships. Um, so it was an attempt to get a spotlight. But did that work? Some are saying no. No. The, the the messages get a little bit muddied here. United We Rule fits into a larger tent, the Yellow Vest Movement, a global populist grassroots movement that started in France last November to object to the country's rising fuel prices. But U- Yellow Vest has been directed to anti-Semitic views, anti-immigration views, white nationalist views, so people that aren't just focused on energy. Um, so you've got people who care about pipelines. Um, they want pump pipelines blinds, they want carbon tax eliminated, and others who are anti-immigration. And you're clumping them all together. And, you know, that's what we saw on Wellington Street, uh, expressing those views. So the leader of the opposition... Gave a speech, um, and so did Maxime Bernier and a few other. Uh, Faith Goldie was there. So what do we think about uh, having the leader of the opposite, leader, leader, conservative leader, um, you know, getting up there, saying he supports their views or he supports their vision, um, has their back, knowing the dark side of this movement? It's
2: it's really complicated because so he, when when Andrew Scheer spoke, he was quite careful to stick to the energy and environment part of their message. It was clear that he wanted to appeal to that, that it was important for him to be there showing support for that. But he kind of excised the rest of what was there. And the the beast that is that convoy and that protest, I I find quite confusing because it it ostensibly started and and the guy who was sort of the central organizer of it kept saying like our concerns are pipelines and oil and jobs. Like that's what we're here for. But then they had this like hitchhiking contingent of yellow vesters, (laughs) which he, and he has said in interviews, is it Glenn Carrot? Glenn Carrot. Glenn Carrot. He has said in interviews, we are, I forget if the term he used was sympathetic or we are supportive of them. So he's not divorcing himself from them, but I'm unclear. Like if he, if he's uncomfortable with some of what they represent, the uglier elements of that, why didn't they just tell them to take a hike? Like the fact that they had this group along for the ride, in my view, means you are responsible for the totality of the message that is being put out under the banner of your protest. And so then you have... Andrew Shear trying to sort of thread that needle and speak to part of that protest while ignoring the uh, uglier side, side of it. I spent some, a little bit of time on the Yellow Vest uh, Canada Facebook page, which let me tell you is a fever swamp. I had to like <laughs> walk away after about fifteen minutes because it was making my soul die. It's just apparently it's it's like, just huge. a rage pit. It's one hundred and ten thousand people. Impossible, of course, to tell who they are, where yeah. they're from, whether they're even real. But it is just random rage. It is just angry memes and screeching about anything under the sun. Like even if you wanted to take it seriously and kind of follow the thread of their arguments, there's no coherency there. And that was a contingent that mapped itself onto this oil protest or pro-oil protest, I guess. Yeah. Um, But then you could see it in the media coverage was really tricky. They didn't know what element to hold them responsible
0: for. It's just a really messy Can you clump them together? And did, did, did the message work really? Did they get the spotlight? That you know that they wanted um, about pro pipeline, pro oil, given this sort of all encompassing views of some of their darker parts. I also think that this story was just completely overshadowed—not completely, but a good good portion overshadowed because of the other the, the topic we had just addressed.
1: It would be interesting to know, not that we ever could, but how many people would have taken part in this if there were not the anti-immigrant. Elements mm-hmm. to it because objecting to the UN Global Compact on Migration, which the Canada signed some weeks ago now, was actually one of their stated. That's right. Things it was it was like eighty percent oil industry related things, but also objecting to the UN Global Compact on Migration. And
0: like,
2: what is that grab bag of issues? Like, it's, what is your? You, I, I don't.
1: And yeah. then individuals had their own issues and other things that they wanted to bring to the table. So if we. If they did say, okay, this is only about oil and you can only talk about oil and we are only going to talk about oil, imagine that. How many people would have taken yeah. part? It's hard to know. And like we've seen this, I mean, it's been a while since we've had a really big anti G8 or G20 protest. Yeah. Those tended to be organized on the left um, and are, you know, in covering a few of them, big grab bags of issues there as well. You could get, yeah. you know, hundreds or thousands of people taking part but this banner is about smashing capitalism and that banner is about Israel and the other banner is about fighting US backed warlords in various parts of the, the, so trying to nail down one message for any protest this size
0: I think it comes down to people that feel that they're not being heard or feel that they're not being seen and that's really the all encompassing view of it, it's like if you don't feel like you're being listened to, join us. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes very unclear. Well, then it's just a stew
2: of anger, right? Yeah. It's just whatever you're angry at, you you write a, a banner. And there's also, I mean, I think you could draw parallels to the US. Like, like if the original kind of purpose of this protest, the core meaning was jobs and Alberta oil and anti-UN compact on migration well, in the U.S., you saw economic concerns shading into concerns about mm-hmm. immigration. Like it's it's not that's not a long path to travel, um, so I, I guess that sort of has a bit of internal consistency. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just a bit bothered by this thing we're doing like rhetorically now, where I feel like it's akin to people who say, well, you took that quote out of context, that doesn't count, where people want to be held responsible only for part of a message that they're signing on to instead of all of it. I I mean, I realize I'm making a bit of an elaborate point here, but it just, it's kind of starting to bug me that we're, that people are deciding to pick and choose what we are
0: allowed to notice of what they're doing
2: and what they're participating in.
0: Well, that's a good point. So conservative Senator David Tkachuk from uh, Saskatchewan also delivered a speech, um, and, and it was off-putting. He said, quote, I know you've uh, rolled all the way here, and I'm going to ask you one more thing. I want you to roll over every liberal left in the country. And so he sort of said, spread this message to the protesters, they cheered, you know. Um, and then he said, because they're, when they're gone, these bills are gone. And now he later said, yes, you've taken this quote. He, said he, was, well, he said he was
2: speaking figuratively, yes, not literally. Right.
0: <laughs> Don't actually roll them over. But this, again, it goes back to what we were talking before with Wernick's um, testimony. It's like, that is dangerous. Language. And that's
2: certainly the tone of the yellow vest thing. I mean, in 10 minutes on on the Facebook page, I saw a photo meme of of Justin Trudeau with various sort of world leaders, which I instantly think is some kind of Illuminati tinfoil hat thing. <laughs> and then in the comments beside it, someone had posted a photo of a noose. So, I mean, we can't peer into Senator Tkachuk's heart. We don't know if he was speaking literally or figuratively.
1: I, but I, You know what? I think we do know that the senator doesn't actually want people to drive trucks over liberals. Sure. And he's... We can talk about whether he should have known better or whether his... But yeah, I don't think he actually wants people to kill
2: right. people. Right. But my point is, like the vault like the heat of the tone of that yeah. all yeah. is all of a piece and I
0: don't it's care. turned you ha- up you have a you responsibility know? as a senator of this country not to not spew language like that like it's i
1: i, I think it is it is it, there is a distinction and a and a challenge here for everyone including participants you, know, you there are all kinds of views that are legitimate in themselves and j- you should not be drowned out because of the people they're sometimes associated with. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you if you can... Not everyone who is pro-oil industry, pro-pipeline, is a Neanderthal <laughs> troglodyte. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to caricature people on yes. the other sides of these discussions. Um, and I think central Canadians do themselves and and the country a disservice by not paying attention to the actual genuine pain that Alberta is feeling. Alberta's like been no, in a recession but I think the people
2: in this protest where that was their central concern would have done themselves a great favour by kicking out the elements that were distracting yeah. because it undercut their own message. I absolutely agree. There's an important point to be made here but I think their, their I don't want to say legitimate I'm not trying to pass judgment like their core concerns were got diluted yeah. in the mm. controversy Around yes. the fringier concerns, and so I think they would have they would have strengthened their message. if, yes. if they had excised those. And, and
0: and 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 when you have someone like Faith Goldie who represents the darker side of that speaking, I don't think that that helps you. I mean, like, let's be real here. Like tens of thousands of people have lost their jobs. There's there's sure. they you know they feel they've been forgotten, and in some ways they have. So there are real concerns, but. Um, yeah, because in
2: a parallel universe, the news stories could have been Andrew Shear speaks to pro pipeline <laughs> protesters and promises X, Y, and yeah, Z instead right. of Andrew Shear speaks to controversial gathering. Was that cool or not? Yeah. Um, which right. is, it was some of the coverage, obviously. Right, that's
0: true. That's a good point. Um, okay, another weird one. Jussie Smollett, an actor in uh, the hit, I don't know why I said that in a French accent, no. an actor in the hit series Empire, which I've only watched a couple times. I'll admit, is facing a felony charge after allegedly filing a false police report about an attack against him. Last month, Smollett alleged two men violently beat him on the street late at night yelling racial and homophobic slurs. He should be noticed, he plays a gay character in the show and he is also gay himself, saying this is... So these these two individuals were yelling, like, this is mega country, um, make America great again country. And they poured a chemical liquid substance on him and tried to wrap him in rope um, in an effort to choke him. So investigators were looking into this as a hate crime. The internet obviously went nuts after this, no surprise. Um, There was outrage from celebrities, journalists, politicians, Donald Trump weighed in, um, you name it. So police had taken two men into custody last week, both of whom knew Smollett, but they were later released without charges. Suspicions really ramped up when police could not identify any video footage of the alleged attack after looking at like 50 different camera feeds. So this is when things get a bit weird. Yesterday he was Uh, Smollett turned himself in and was arrested. He supposedly staged a false attack to promote his career and get a bigger or better salary. Uh, And this is according to Chicago police. He had paid two Nigerian brothers $3,500 to act this whole thing out, allegedly. A judge issued a $100,000 bond. He was released after posting bail and was back on the set of Empire shortly after. This was like yesterday. I would have paid to see the interactions with his co-stars after that. Um, after they sort of aggressively stood behind him, Fox is, is determining their next steps in this situation, whether or not he'll continue on the show. He he faces up to three years in prison, but many are saying. You know his the the impacts of this go well beyond his what happens to him. Like this is going to impact how future people come forward with hate crimes, and um, it sort of takes advantage of the the pain and anger that people actually face. What a bizarre series of events! What was yes. your reaction when you saw this?
1: Dismay, I think. I, I mean, if there's a common theme between uh, among some of the things we're talking about, it's that people see a chance. To make money off outrage and anger. Um, and so this guy wants to make more money off, you know, from his TV Good show point. and decides that he can generate public sympathy and become a bigger star and someone who can, you know, they need to hold on to because it'll look really bad if they don't pay him more or they let, they let him go. Now that he's famous and he's been through what he's been through you know, suffered a racist and homophobic attack in part because of who he is personally, but also the character he plays. And you get the the Faith Goldies of this world who see a percentage in getting people angry about right. stuff, regardless of whether what they're talking about is true. And, like, not necessarily actively promoting lies, but not really caring about, about right. the truth. And I don't think, I, I mean... This is not exactly a bold statement, but the last thing we need right now is is more people spreading bullshit for their own advantage.
0: Absolutely, this old so harmful. It's so harmful. This 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 growing misinformation, and it only feeds into the idea of fake news. And ugh oh, it's it's a mess.
2: Especially when you're talking about something as fraught as hate crimes. I saw a tweet to the effect of you know, if you think one falsely reported hate crime mm. is is a reason to be suspicious of all of them, it kind of looks like you were looking for an out. Like, and I saw the Washington Post had a really good uh, column where someone said like, like as it is, gay people and minorities are often not believed or don't come forward. Like there's a pre existing structure that we know that makes these these things underreported or less likely to be believed. This just makes it so much worse. It makes the, an already toxic situation so much more toxic. It's such a, a selfish and bizarre thing to do. I have to admit, my first instinct was, because when I first sort of saw the the very kind of reductive headlines of, he was unhappy with his salary, so he staged this. I yeah, thought, I that's know. absurd. That's How absurd. does that work? And then I thought, well, I had never heard of him before two weeks ago. I happen <laughs> right. to have not watched Empire. And now I have. So I guess if you think Good you're point. becoming the hero or victim du jour and you become that figure then i guess there is a payday yeah. um, but it's just so cynical and i i think i worry more stuff maybe not precisely located in hate crimes but more and more um manipulation is going to happen. Like, I just feel like we're getting really meta in how we process how the way we expect the world to react to things and to gin up, as you're saying, you know, money and outrage at the same time.
0: Yeah. And this like blurring of reality versus not reality, entertainment. It's, I honestly feel like three years in prison that he faces, that isn't enough, but... It's not much. Although I did – it is
2: worth noting just before I came here, um, Fox has announced are writing him out of the show. Oh, So really? he's oh, a job.
1: Well, okay. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. Well, that's just – that's in breaking news. Uh, I mean
1: – That does help a little bit. It's, and yet I, I'm sure another arm of Fox, Fox News, will – probably there will be people on television talking in the future about, you know, uh, other hate crimes that actually have happened.
0: It's, yes. And well, And then is they this can... another
1: Jesse Smollett case? Right. Is this, well, you know, it can happen. People do make this stuff up. That's true. The damage that this That's will awful. do. They and can
0: point to it as, a de- you know, as a delegitimizing thing.
1: We see this with people, I mean, the, the example comes to mind, Christine Blasey Ford and Brett Kavanaugh, the idea that she came forward and accused him of, you know, sexual assault 20 years ago because she was looking to to get famous because there was something in it for her. I mean, she is, as far as I know, maybe even still in hiding, certainly still living yes. with, with protection right. because of the threats she faces. There was nothing in it for her. Well, here was, if the police are to be believed, and with that caveat, um, an instance where a guy thought he can make money by making up a story of persecution and, and being so attacked. Disgusting. It's just um,
0: so disgusting. Okay, I know we ne- we ended on a bit of a negative note there. <sighs> I'm sorry, but it's Friday. and We're going to have a good weekend. Um, can I, that's all for us today. Can I get your guys uh, Twitter handles, please?
1: I'm David Reevely and I am at David Revely. <laughs> I'm at S Proudfoot.
0: And I'm at Sarah Turnbull. We'll see you next time. The 2020 Network is brought to you by Interact. The other day I received a phishing link and it turns out I'm not the only one. According to Interact, almost a quarter of Canadians have clicked on a phishing link. If you, like me, are interested in learning more about how you can protect yourself against fraud, visit interact.ca/fraud-prevention.